Hey everyone, this is Tom Salemi. Welcome back. This is the MedTech Talk Podcast. Gosh, I hope you were there with us on Thursday at the MedTech Conference. It was a great day. We met at the Lowe's Minneapolis Hotel. Close to 300 people were there. We had over a dozen different discussions talking about financing, talking about reimbursement, talking about building winning teams, about payers, about uh, building the right culture. We covered every aspect of running a successful MedTech startup that you could cover. Uh, lots of great people on stage. Many, many other great folks in the audience. It really uh, is my favorite professional day of the year and uh, true high point. Thank you to everyone who helped make it happen. Thank you to our co-chairs, Stacey Enzing Singh and Leslie Trigg for all the work they do. This is Stacey's final year as a co-chair. She'll go back on our advisory board and uh, very eager to be working with Leslie Trigg next year along with our new co-chair Kirk Nielsen of Versant Ventures. So uh, already excited about next year. We'll be uh, planning that out shortly, but uh, we're not going to forget about uh, Thursday. We'll, uh, we'll be putting out different uh, content tied to the day. You'll have access to uh, full videos of the presentations of the panel discussions, and uh, you'll also uh, get some excerpts on our uh, Healthogy YouTube site. We'll have them up uh, on our social media channels as well. And uh, I also did some uh, private interviews that we'll be making available, including a couple that I'm going to uh, share today. I had the uh, great chance to speak with uh, Tim Herbert of Inspire. Uh, Inspire, of course, just went public. Tim's quiet period just ended last Tuesday. So he was uh, kind enough to sit down with me and talk a bit about uh, what it was like going public, what that process was like, why Inspire chose an IPO. Obviously, the uh, the money is great, but uh, there's more to the story than that. And finally, what does Inspire want to do next? And uh, after Tim's interview, I'll uh, sit down and talk with uh, Adam Elsesser of Penumbra. He uh, have, gave a great keynote conversation in a conversation led by uh, Angela McFarlane. They talked a great deal about Penumbra's origins. And again, we'll uh, we'll make portions of that and that discussion available to you. But uh, I did want to uh, catch up with him. He's an interesting guy. It's an interesting story. And we sort of uh, summarized a few of the points that he hit upon on stage and uh, covered a few others as well. So it was a great day. Again, thank you to everyone who helped us put it together. Thank you to our many great sponsors. Thank you to everyone who attended. Again, it's, uh, it's just a professional high point of mine. So uh, I'm very grateful to everyone who was part of it. Now let's get into this conversation with Tim Herbert of Inspire. Well, Tim Herbert, thank you for joining us. You're welcome. Thanks. Great to be here. So you've had a, a busy couple of months, and uh, we need to catch up because you've been in a quiet period for a little bit. We just came out of the quiet period on Tuesday after completing our IPO on in early in May. So what is it like on the other side? Is just uh, wiping the sweat off your brow and uh, job well done? I think it's really <laughs> a focus of going back and, and getting back into your day job. I yeah. think that's the most important aspect to it. it. An IPO process is not something you just decide to jump into. It's something that we've been planning to pursue for over over a year, almost two, three years. And it's important to nurture the relationships with you're the banking community with the analysts at each of the banks, as with a lot of the investors, both uh, as you're going through your private rounds, you have a chance to meet a lot of the uh, 
crossover funds. As you're getting near an IPO, you tend to deal with more of the crossover fund investors. And so it's nurturing those relationships for quite a period of time before you really start the whole IPO prep process. And then I think when we started the the process, it, it, it really was decided at a board meeting in November that this is the route that we want to pursue. We scheduled out a, a, bank, a banker bake-off for December. Mm-hmm. And at that bake-off, we actually set a schedule. And, and I think a lot of people thought that that schedule might be aggressive, but what's important is to put it down on paper saying these are the timelines that we're going to hit. This is when we're going to draft the S-1. This is when we're going to confidentially submit. This is when we're going to test the waters and and have enough time in between to be able to revise the S-1, revise the story to uh, get ready for the uh, um, public filing of the S-1, and then and then the pers- the following roadshow. Why was IPO always the uh, preferred route for obviously other than the financial reasons? I mean, you came out of Medtronic. You've been part of a larger strategic before. I'm sure you still have institutional memory of that. Mm-hmm. Did you want Inspire to remain Inspire? You wanted it to remain sort of a, its own innovative engine. I, there's things you, you mentioned engine um, that and you talk about culture. Our culture is built around the little engine that could, mm-hmm. and and it's all about positive thinking and persistence. And the people we put together at Inspire. For the most part, all came out of large companies, you know, Medtronic, Boston Side, the Guidance, St. Jude. And they had a desire to develop on a, on a therapy. And uh, Inspire is really a great platform and a good opportunity to put to work the experience that they gained at the big companies. Yet be able to do that in the, with the flexibility of a small company. Mm-hmm. And that's not something you can um, easily accomplish in the big company. And what we want to do with the IPO is we want to grow the company. And we think that over the last 10 years, we've earned the right through the commercialization and progression of adoption of the therapy that we really had the – we're in position to, to really grow that company even further. Hmm. And going the public route allowed us to bring in a new investor base as well as new resources to be able to accomplish just that. And the uh, employees of the – company participate and they had an opportunity to be a part of it they're part of building the story of inspire they have the long view that was something we heard at the medtech conference uh john wood at t row talked about making sure that you have a long view of your business and and i think that's what the employees of at inspire really have and that's what resonated when we did the road show and and the result was a very successful ipo as well as uh, post-IPO uh, performance. And, and the people in the company just stay committed to taking care of the patients and driving patient outcomes. And that's really the key to, to the success of Inspire. Are you worried or do you have it in your mind to make sure that Inspire is the same company that it was prior to the IPO, just better capitalized? Are you worried that the, the culture may change or things may change because you're now answering to so many different people? The, uh, the we try to protect the culture. That's a very important part of it, mm-hmm. and uh, we we t- educate all the new employees as well as re-educate existing employees on why it is what we do. Why do we do what we do? And a part of it is the the culture and the commitment to the patients, and that ongoing commitment to strong outcomes and involving the patients 
is really what's critical to it. So I think we're going to work really hard to hold on to that. Mm -hmm. There's no question as the company grows and the number of employees continues to expand that there's not going to be a, a change in the way in which we do things. Operating as a com public company obviously brings some compliance uh, factors to it. it. It puts some more discipline to the way we do certain aspects of the company. But as a whole, if we can continue to focus on the patients and the therapy, I think the culture will, will take care of itself. And just finally, you're, you, I mentioned the well-capitalized part, which you are. What is the plan for Inspire? Where do you go from here? What do you become? Inspire, we've worked so hard over the years as a private company to, to raise the necessary uh, funding to be able to support the ongoing uh, activities. But now with the IPO, we, we got an uh, oversubscribed IPO, so we had a significant amount of proceeds come into the company. It really allows us to expand primarily the therapy adoption in the United States. That's number one. And to grow the business that way and make the therapy more available for patients here in the United States. That said, we're encouraged by the reimbursement environment that we're seeing in, in several countries in Europe. And so we're seeing an expansion in Germany and in the Netherlands where we've achieved uh, reimbursement. And we're looking to pursue not only new products and easier ways to use the therapy or implant the therapy, but also easier tools for uh, the physicians to, to manage the patient's therapy. And we have a new product, Inspire Cloud, will be um, shown next week at our the annual sleep meeting in Baltimore as just one example. We continue to work with other territories. We're making progress with uh, Japan. We mm -hmm. think that's a, a new market for us as well. So we're going to continue to focus on Inspire, the treatment of obstructive sleep apnea, and uh, really work to grow the therapy adoption. Excellent. Well, congratulations on, on the financing. Uh, we, can, we look forward to continuing to track Inspire Story. It'll be easy to find now, that's for sure. What's, <laughs> your, ticker? What's your ticker symbol? INSP on the New York Stock Exchange. All right. Well, welcome to the world, New York Stock Exchange, and thank you for joining us today. Very good. Thanks very much, Tom. All right. All right. Thank you. All right. Well, thanks, Tim Herbert, for joining us at the MedTech Conference. Uh, Tim was not on the uh, on the panels or any of the panels because, uh, as I said, he was still in a quiet period when he put the panels together. But uh, he was uh, in attendance and uh, kind enough to take a few minutes to talk with us. So thanks again, Tim. Before I get into our next conversation, I mentioned our sponsors up up at the top. I did want to uh, thank them personally or, or individually. Our premier sponsor is Fox Rothschild. Our major sponsors are Corn Ferry. Navigant, Piper Jaffrey, RSM. Our strategic sponsor is Baker Tilly, and our supporting sponsors are Devon Associates, Silicon Valley Bank, and Tika Mobile. So uh, thanks again to all those folks. We don't, uh, we're not able to put these conferences together without the uh, support of our sponsors. So thank you. Our next uh, conversation will be with Adam Elsesser of Penumbra. What an interesting guy. What a great conversation that he had with Angela McFarlane. Happy to uh, have a few minutes with him afterwards to follow up on a few of the points and uh, really just uh, understand uh, a bit about his unique approach to innovation and about what are the uh, unique challenges to leading a company from startup to IPO. Penumbra went public uh, three years ago and is, is doing amazingly well, uh, both in business and on the market. So next, let's hear from Adam Elsesser of Penumbra. 
So I'm here with uh, Adam Elsesser, President and CEO of Penumbra. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, my pleasure. So I just want to talk to you about innovation. You're, you're uh, a startup CEO who remains CEO, followed that company through its IPO, and are still running it three years later. You know, we hear about early-stage CEOs, late-stage CEOs. Has your job really changed over that time? What's the difference between running that startup and running the company today? Yeah, I, I think that's a great and fundamental question. The answer is yes and no. Um, <laughs> uh, at the core, the job hasn't changed at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I still am, am very involved in sort of the um, making sure that the tone and culture and so on is is there, albeit that's now sort of run by the whole company. Um, but in the daily tasks and the things that, that I need to do, it changes constantly. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, as 20 people, 30 people, uh, you know, I used to run the project meetings for the product every week. And, and now, obviously, I don't do that. Um, we have over 1,800 people. And, you know, what I'm tasked with doing it changes pretty dramatically. But at the core of sort of caring about what it is we do and making sure that we don't sort of get sidetracked, uh, that part hasn't changed at all. Did you ever reach a point where you were thinking – Maybe it's time that I hand this off to someone who's done this before. <laughs> well, that's a that's a like a trick question because um, uh, <laughs> if I say no, uh, um, it implies that that I have too much uh, hubris and arrogance. Uh, and if, I, um, if if I say yes, so so the the answer is um, uh, there are certainly times when the job is challenging. Sure, um, uh, that's been true at every stage of the company when we were small and, and now when we're large. Um, uh, I have not yet um, felt uh, that I that I'm failing the company, um, uh, and obviously, uh, uh, given the the structure of the company, uh, I think I will be the first to to say that, um, uh, and and that has yet to happen. Uh, and I say that with really all the humility I can, because uh, it is it is. Uh, Sometimes a surprise that uh, you know we've come this far, and I can still do this. And it didn't—I didn't intend it to be a trick question, but it was—it uh, actually falls upon the, the comment you made in your talk today, uh, in that you—you you were asked how you build such an innovative engineer team, and your answer was that you hire people right out of college who basically don't know what they can't do yet. Mm-hmm. And it strikes me that as CEO, you know, maybe. Not you, but maybe someone comes to a point where the conditioning is this thing has gotten to a point. My board's telling me someone else has to come in, and they, we're all con- convince ourselves we can't do that. But you kind of broke through that wall if that wall was ever up. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's the right way of looking at it. I, I think, look, we've been blessed. We have such an extraordinary group of people who continue to push themselves to grow and learn and do things. Uh, the folks who we started with, many of them still with us. They are like me. They are doing totally different jobs. They their level of of growth and maturity is is just extraordinary. Um, and as long as that's happening, uh, you know, there's a, a place and a room for all of us to uh, to keep adding to uh, the success of the company. Uh, it when people stop doing that, and occasionally that happens, uh, that's when you know their ability to keep growing with the company becomes a little more challenging. And you had talked about, let's focus on, on the innovation. Uh, one point you made was uh, giving people the freedom. Freedom to fail is the comment, but how do you phrase it? How, how do you look at allowing someone to push themselves far enough to the point where they may not succeed? Look, I would much rather have 
a product that doesn't ever launch than a product that looks exactly like someone else's product. Mm -hmm. That's just not necessary. You know, the field doesn't need a exact replica of some other company's product mm -hmm. just to say we have it. Our box is blue. Their box is red. Doctor, you like blue better. That isn't a business for me. Mm -hmm. Not saying it's not a business for others, but for me, that's not that interesting. So I would rather try to do something really important and not succeed. Um, I will be comfortable with that. Um, uh, if I never succeeded, that would be a bad investment. Um, uh, <laughs> but uh, so far, we've had a, a pretty good track record. Now, the world doesn't know that we have tried things that have never come to market. <laughs> and so, so we don't have a perfect track record, um, but that's okay because uh, we do it enough uh, uh, to still be relevant and important. We were talking with, uh, with Tim Herbert from Inspire, who recently just went public a couple mm -hmm. months ago. What does he not know at this point, <laughs> the next three years after? Is it, is it the same as – how is it different than the previous three years? Because it has to be different. Yeah, well, the – the the tasks they're they're new tasks you know um uh i didn't have the same interaction with my investor base because they were basically friends of mine mm -hmm. uh before we went public right. which is different than a more traditional venture uh investment base um so for me the interactions on the investment side um uh are, are different that's additive work uh, i'd like it um it's a chance for me to talk about the company and share the what we're doing uh so that's not it's not hard work mm -hmm. um uh but it's new uh, and different uh, obviously um uh reporting quarterly earnings is a um is a concept is different uh we obviously didn't have to do that as a public company uh so one does have to be aware of of that and make sure uh, you know that that we can understand the business deep enough to to be able to give you know some some accuracy to that. Um, but beyond that, there's not a lot that's different. Mm -hmm. um, the the biggest thing that's different between before and after public has nothing to do with being public. It has to do with the fact that we've had pretty huge growth since then. You know, we uh, the year before we went public, we had under 500 people. You know, now four years later. We have almost 1,900 people. Uh, having that growth, hiring those people, training them, bringing them on, and making them productive—that's uh, you know—that was that's a that's a lot of new and different work. It it isn't really related to being public. It's just the phase that we're in that we happen to be public. Gotcha. Final question about your, your workforce. I found it fascinating that you still meet with every new employee, at least in a, I'm assuming in a large gathering. In a group, yeah. That would strike me to be like the, the, the easiest thing not to do. You would have f f time. You'd have to. F you could find time to do something else as CEO of a publicly traded company. Why that says to me that that's very important to you. Why is it important? Yeah. Uh, so I've been asked that question. I, I think there are folks who have expressed surprise that I do that. Um, uh, my response, and again, not to um, sound like I know too much. Um, I cannot imagine not doing that. Mm -hmm. um, you're got these folks are starting it's their first week you know they they are are about to be part of this and and we're talking about whether they're professional staff or engineering staff or finance or uh, uh on the production line and here's an opportunity to spend an hour it's an hour a week it's not a day a week you know <laughs> and it's one hour to uh, have a conversation have a very open dialogue uh, about what matters to penumbra what you know our 
expectations are, um, and then give them a chance to ask questions both about the business. Many of the questions are personal about me. Um, it gives us a chance to sort of get to know each other so that when we see each other around the campus, you know, I may not know their name, but there's some sort of connection that mm-hmm. we spent some time together. Um, I think that's just critical. I, I, I can't imagine not doing that. Um, I, I wouldn't how would you have that you know why wouldn't you want to have that connection and bond you know with the people who uh, are now going to be spending so much of their day giving their heart and soul into the mission of the company yep, that's a great question and, and maybe it's maybe it shouldn't surprise us um and i did I, just following up on your your workforce you talked about uh the the, the makeup of your workforce mm-hmm. diversity is that maybe you can re- recite the numbers for us again but is that an intentional effort on your part to make sure everyone is at the t- is well represented on in your workforce well it it didn't start out um that way uh to be very honest and so just to remind you what the numbers we half over half of our uh a majority of our workforce are women um uh, over 80 percent uh the last time we ran the numbers um some months ago uh were non-white um, we have every country of origin, religious background, uh, sexual orientation, trans, everybody's represented at Penumbra. Um, th- that isn't something we went out and said we need to hire specific you know, people. Um, it is somewhat natural, um, but it is somewhat becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy uh, when, when you go after and, and have a company that looks like that. Um, I, uh, as I said publicly, I, I am absolutely certain that that makes us stronger uh, and better, um, not just because we have to learn to uh, respect and get along with a variety of, of uh, backgrounds and, and outlooks. Um, I think that allows us to think uh, differently, um, uh, and, and there's no question in my mind that that has made us uh, stronger, more creative, uh, and, and better at what we do. Well, it's a great story. Thank you for sharing it with us today. My pleasure. Thank you. All right. Well, that is a wrap. Thanks, everyone, for joining us on the MedTech Talk podcast. For those of you who attended the MedTech conference, do us one more favor. If you haven't already, please fill out your survey. We sent you an email. Go to it. Hit the link. Fill out the survey. You've got the cool app, the app we used last week for live polling. You can find the survey on that. Click on the little survey button. Let us know how we're doing. Let us know what we could do better. So next year's MedTech conference is even better than this year's. Finally, regarding the podcast, if you wouldn't mind subscribing, telling a friend, and giving us a ranking, all that stuff helps us uh, make a better podcast for you as well. We're all about self-improvement here at Healthogy. Healthogy, of course, is the producer of the MedTech Talk podcast and the MedTech Conference. All right, we'll tune in next week. I hope to have more content from the conference, both stuff on stage and uh, back in the studio. So uh, it's going to be a great couple of weeks for the MedTech Talk podcast. Lots of great insights and interviews to share with you. That's a wrap, folks. Tune in next week for for many great tales of innovation on the MedTech Talk podcast.